0: Welcome to 28 and Searching. I'm your host, Samantha, and today I have Erin Brindley on my show. Thanks for coming on, Erin. Hi there. How are you? Good. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you? Where are you located? How long have you been in your
1: industry? That sort of thing. I'm 40 years old. I live in Seattle, Washington, um, and depending on you on how you count, I've been in my industry since I was three years old.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so you started early. Is it a family business type thing?
1: Well, I'm in the theater, so I count the time when I was in ballet class. <laughs> okay.
0: There we go. And so what exactly is your job title, and what does it mean that you
1: do? I'm the artistic director and chef of Cafe Nordo, which is an immersive dining theatrical experience. Okay. So we integrate theater and food, um, create an immersive environment. Our audience comes in, um, a a show unfolds with live music and food that's been designed to help tell the story.
0: Wow. Okay. That sounds very unique. Is that a a common type of uh, entertainment that you can find in other areas?
1: As far as I know, we're the only ones doing it. Although there are other there are other dinner theaters in the world, for sure, but no one that's quite integrating the food in the creative way that we are.
0: So walk me through a little bit, because I, I've never been through one of these, and I'm sure a lot of listeners probably haven't either. So what exactly is the experience when you go to Cafe Nordo,
1: right? Cafe Nordo, yes. Um, so you before you, you arrive, um, you are given an email that tells you what the what the era is that we're located in. Like right now we're doing a show that happens in the future in 2046. So the email gives you an idea of like what the fashion of 2046 would be. So a lot of our audiences dress up for the night. Okay. Um, they, they arrive the, um, all of the servers and the people who greet them at the door are all in character. And the world is, uh, about a 2000 square foot, um, immersive dining room. Oh wow! So yeah, so it's the the whole thing. We have a, a space in um, a, the historic district of Seattle called Pioneer Square, um, and the the space transforms completely depending on what show we're doing. So one time it might look like an Art Deco bar, and currently it looks like a um, kind of an experimental laboratory in the future. <laughs> So uh you walk in like I say our current show Oneiros is in 2046 the setup is that it's um it's uh 2046 and we're all connected to the internet through a sync de- disk in our brain and the side effect is that of that is that we've we've stopped dreaming. So oh. our audience are all people who are there to experience an organic dream that's going to be uploaded from somebody who's not connected to the internet a deviant. Wow. So yeah so the 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 food in the, the very first course of food is something that you might receive at a future spa um then the story begins and as the story unfolds we experience dreams both through um the food and the uh, as well as the music and the uh, and and video installation and and all of that so and then it comes to a climax at the end and then we serve dessert and everyone's good and boozy and uh, it's yeah wow. so it's, uh, it's actors musicians playwright designers, lighting designers, set designers, costume designers, the whole machina along with this food that's kind of woven in.
0: Oh my goodness. That sounds fascinating. That sounds like a good time. So what is it, what's your role in this very unique setting?
1: So I direct the shows. Um, I conceive of the shows with my partner who is the playwright and the scenic designer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can, we do the concept together. He goes and writes the script I cast the show, bring in the actors, work with the designers to create the story, and then also I create the menu, and then I teach the kitchen staff how to make it, and and that's yeah, that's the main things that I do. But of course, there's also with every small business, and we're a nonprofit. There's also tons of running of the business that goes along with it too. So that's the uh, there's uh, there's some executive director stuff I do as well. Sure. A pretty long title.
0: Yeah, and and with not-for-profits especially, I mean, everybody kind of needs to do more than their own job uh,
1: to make it all work. So how
0: did you get into this? Where did this come from?
1: Well, I uh, have a degree from NYU in acting, and I was an actor, I was an actor really, dancer and actor my whole life, and um, got the degree and was kind of pounding the pavement as an actor and really just at one point decided now this, I I gotta be, I gotta be in charge. (laughs) So, um, so I began, I began directing. So I've been directing theater since, um, uh, gosh, since I was probably 23. Um, a few years after that, I started a theater company in New York city Mm -hmm. called ripple ripple productions. Um, at the time I was, Dating madly in love with a a chef, um, and he was a cook at some of the best restaurants in New York. So I kind of was introduced to fine dining through him, and we did a couple of collaborations in New York together, integrating food and theater. And people really liked them. And sure. I was like, I was, I thought was like that was a gimmick. I want to do serious. <laughs> I want to do serious serious theater. So I spent the next few years after that continuing to do some really serious, serious theater that nobody wanted to see. And then, um, you know, then a a little meandering tale later, and I end up in Seattle um, doing uh, more food theater and doing the food myself. So,
0: Okay. And so is, is Cafe Nordo your creation, or did you take it from somebody, or do you work for somebody else? Or how did, how did you get into that place particularly?
1: So Terry Podgorski, who's my producing partner and I, he's the um, writer and scenic designer. Mm -hmm. We had been working together at a company called Circus Contraption in Seattle before this. And that was an ensemble of uh, like a nouveau circus ensemble. Um, Very, very cool music and um, non-animal circus arts kind of thing. Very avant-garde. And I had moved from New York and taken a job with Circus Contraption and met him and Circus Contraption was an ensemble that had been around for 11 years. They were all pretty much ready to move on. So it kind of burst into, I don't know, we kind of think of it as like a dandelion bursting in the wind. And a few, a few of the people went with us and a lot of people went in a lot of other directions. But Terry and I really wanted to continue working together and brought our composer Anastasia along and um, turned one of our the stage manager into an actor. And there we are. Okay. That's... That was in 2000. So technically the company that we are under is Ripple Productions, the company that I started in New York in 2003. Okay. Um, and then I brought that nonprofit over to Seattle in 2009 to start Cafe Nordo.
0: Okay. So Cafe Nordo's actually been in Seattle since 2009? Yes. Okay. Crazy. All right. That's awesome. So... Okay. So there's a couple of different elements in here. And so I'm going to kind of piece through them a little bit to help my listeners kind of understand the different aspects of what you're doing. Sure. So when you're looking at um, either be being in the arts, right. Cause I mean, you, mm-hmm. you do, you do cook food and you do serve food, but this is really a theater. This is an entertainment industry is basically absolutely. what you're in. So mm-hmm. in, in the entertainment, if you were to go and do something like what you're doing, uh, would you need a degree to
1: be in that type of position? It, it absolutely not, but it does help. Okay. Um, my partner doesn't have a degree. Um, he, he went to, you know, I think he did like three and three quarters years of college, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but experience can certainly make up for it. And we know a lot of people in our industry that don't have degrees. It's just a lot of hard work and the degree definitely helps you make the contacts. But other than that, Okay. So you can you can learn it on your own.
0: And when you look at the chef side of this, you're doing a fine dining, but have you been classically trained?
1: Absolutely or... not.
0: Okay. Okay. So you've picked it up. So this isn't something that you necessarily have to have the uh, on paper credentials to do. Nope. Okay.
1: Definitely not. No.
0: And so when you're hiring people to work for Cafe Nordo,
1: do you look for degree or do you look for experience? Experience is first okay. for sure. Um, degree can be helpful. Like I, I really like working with actors that, in particular, that have, um, uh, ex, you know, have a training in their background. Just they have just a lot more skills to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't necessarily make them the most talented by any stretch. And I've worked with plenty of actors who have no training who are great.
0: Okay. Okay, and so if somebody wanted to get into the entertainment industry, if they're looking like they've got an idea and they, you know, maybe they don't want to do dinner theater, maybe they want to be, you know, in acting or maybe they want to do whatever else other type of entertainment situation like you have. What would be a good starting point for them to take on um, to gain some skill sets that would be able to move over to doing this?
1: For, for me, I can see that the culture has changed a little bit from when I was coming up, but mm-hmm. I do think that there's value in how I did it, which is once I was out of school, I was volunteering to do any job in any theater um, as a volunteer. I just wanted to learn how it, it worked. Sure. So that went from, you know, doing uh, concessions at the teeny theater down the street to eventually my day job being doing box office at one of the off-Broadway theaters in New York. Um, so I kind of just tried to get under the hood and understand how production works and basically would do just about anything for free for anyone who would teach me anything. Um, and the intern system, I think, has been so abused that now people really do want the hourly for the work, yeah. which, which I completely understand. And at the same time, I could not value more what I learned by just hustling my way in and how many great contacts I made over the years in all volunteer run stuff. So, um, for what that's worth.
0: And is there a lot of opportunity to volunteer in theatrics?
1: Oh yeah. Um, anything from, like I say, the, the easiest one is being an usher or working concessions. Um, and then on top of that, learning how to um, build a set or hang a light or even just so much of theater is just schlepping heavy things from one side of the room to another. (laughs) So so getting getting that up. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) exactly. My partner likes to say that on his gravestone, it's going to say here lies Terry. He carried things. (laughs) Um, But, you know, really getting in there on the ground up and, and, Um, I'm always surprised, but I shouldn't be at how folks who work their way in on the lower level become so invaluable that eventually you really want to reward them with better jobs. So oftentimes we end up, you know, the folks who come in as interns or whatever, we do end up hiring and then they become become long-time staff members of ours. Yeah. Um, Because that's just... It's just how it works.
0: And I feel like this industry, if somebody's interested in it, and they can be teenagers, because I have a, I have a nephew who's 15 who actually wants to volunteer to do, um, like, in Halloween, do the, you know, scary forests and stuff to be a zombie. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I'm, I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's also something that somebody can start based on what you're saying is that somebody could do those things when they're teenagers and still gain some of the experience to see if it's something they like to do.
1: Absolutely. And honestly, even, even beyond that, I would say if you're interested in making theater, be being from a, an acting perspective or a directing perspective or a writing perspective the best thing you can do is just do it. Just get some friends, grab a play off the shelf or, or write a play, Better, much better yet, write a play yourselves and find someone's basement and get 20 of your friends in there to watch it because that's how you learn. <laughs> you know, that's, how, that's how you start practicing and, and flexing the muscle of both art and entertainment.
0: And so you've taken food and put it together with um, actors. So have you found that they're very similar, like similar types of people enjoy working in those
1: positions? <laughs> well, It's funny you should say that. Um, yes, it's definitely the, the kind of band of misfit toy kind of people <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's it's not I, I think you can say pretty consistently that the people who are attracted to the theater and the people who are attracted to a life sure. of professional cooking are usually not people who were cheerleaders or football players sure yeah. <laughs> they kind of the kind of the, the nerdy folks who maybe took a little a bit longer to find their way um, the only difference and these are huge generalizations but I have fun with them is that the, the kids who ended up in the kitchen were much more likely to be on the smoking corner than the theater <laughs> kids <laughs> who always had really good grades. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but other than that, it's a very, very similar. And because I think that what the thing is, is it's a lot of kids who, um, who are drawn to the kind of family atmosphere. Sure. That, like, how intimate it gets, both in a crazy kitchen or in a theater, theatrical production you really make friends fast and people really do take care of one another in such a way. So I think that's the draw.
0: Yeah. And I had, I have actually interviewed a professional food surfer who talked about how they have to, it's kind of like an act, right? Because they have to keep, yeah, they have to keep all their like real emotions inside when things happen and they Mm -hmm. have to provide a service. So I feel like I could see the correlation between the two. Um, actually coming into play and then there's the other you know off schedules and that sort of thing that go along
1: with both careers I just
0: I haven't heard very often about people combining the two
1: (laughs) and actually when you asked I was thinking more of like the um the actual cooks and things like that because all of our people who are serving the food are all the actors
0: Yeah. yeah so
1: they they have to do double duty and so you know Sometimes they'll cast an actor and they just will not you know, take to it. <laughs> it's, we'll have a run and they're just miserable. But for the most part, pe- people who like to perform like to please people yeah. and make sure people are having a good time and oftentimes have a wit and a personality that makes them great at a table. Um, so it does, those skills definitely do crossover.
0: And so when we're looking at theater, what's the market like for people looking for jobs? Is it super competitive? Is it, um, you know, is it kind of, you have to know somebody or what, what's it kind of, what's it kind of look like for the job market?
1: It's incredibly competitive. It's, um, for any, pretty much any element of it from designers to directors to actors, Um very, very few people make their living doing it full time. Mm -hmm. Um and the people who do are working their butts off constantly. Uh but it's not impossible. Uh it's just it it is a it is a huge commitment and there's a lot of sacrifice that goes along with it.
0: Sure. And so if somebody since it is so competitive, what are gonna be the personality traits that really stand out that somebody has to have to succeed?
1: Uh, being completely prepared sets people apart for sure. Someone who has their designs in on time or knows their lines before anyone else in the room. Um, something like that. So, so the production knows that we can count on you. Mm -hmm. Um, attitude is probably 80% of it because there are so many people trying to make something happen. Um, and so much, you know, so many technical things that can go awry or scheduling things that can go awry. People who come in, leave their, you know, their day at the door can come in with a really good attitude and ready to work no matter what. And don't bring drama into the room. That's the irony is like the worst, (laughs) the worst thing you can do is bring drama into a room because everyone is just in this crucible trying to make magic happen and, Everyone just, you know, the the folks who can stay are super focused. And then on top of that, it's just really, really hard work and nothing comes easy. And the kind of attitude that one of these days someone's going to find me and I'm going to be a star, it just doesn't work like, the business does not work like that. Yeah, The stars are the people who have worked and worked and taken all the blows and hurt all the no's and maybe had a success at one point and really thought they made it. And then had another five years where they didn't book a job. Yeah. It just is a, it's a very long ride. Yeah. And I've heard
0: once somebody say to me that, um, there is no such thing as an overnight success.
1: Oh.
0: Like you, you, you may see, you may know that person overnight, but mm-hmm. you don't see the 10 years prior
1: <laughs> that they no, put the work. No, and it's everything. It's from working your craft and making sure you're going to classes Um, when you're not doing a, when you're not booked in anything, that you're keeping your skill set, skill set up. Um, and it's from doing that to making sure that you see stuff all the time, if not only because you're, you're then having other performances inform your art, but so you can start getting to know the people that are making the art. Yeah. And even though you want to sit on your couch and watch Netflix, you got to go out and do the thing. Yeah. (laughs) Meet the people. and. Um, and then, you know, having the curiosity of asking people for not only for help, but for, I don't know if you like someone's work, reaching out and telling them that it makes a huge difference and a huge impact in them remembering you later. So really remembering, it's not all about you, you know, it's yeah. about the, the, not only, I want to say the community cause it's not quite that, but it's about the work. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's almost like you have to have a
1: sense of humility. Absolutely, yeah. Which People
0: is who... the exact opposite of what you think an actor or an actress would need.
1: <laughs> it's a little bit of both, though. You have to have a sense of humility, and then you also have to have the ego to withstand constant rejection. hmm Yeah. Which are, boy, those are two things. <laughs> That's a combo. That's a fight,
0: yeah. Absolutely. And... So, if we're talking about you personally, what is the one trait that has made you successful where you've owned this place since two thousand nine two thousand uh, seventeen what do you think is the one thing that stands out about you
1: um I am very, very good at convincing talented people to do things
0: <laughs> that's an important skill set
1: that is that is <laughs> that is it you know i I am able to see, to know who's talented and lovely to work with. I have a sixth sense about that. Um, and I really don't allow people who ha who are going to bring the process down around. Like I've got a good sniffer if someone's going to be a jerk for the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and, and then the people who are super talented, <laughs> I have a, I have a knack for convincing them to push harder, do more bring more to the table or go with me on some completely insane journey.
0: (laughs) Okay. So you're, you're a leader.
1: I guess that's what that is. Yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) And so if we flip that around, what are some of the personality traits that like, what's the one personality trait that if somebody has, they should stay away from theater?
1: Mm, That's a, that is a tough one. If someone has this stay away from theater, I mean, I guess selfishness. Okay. Yeah. Because, they, because it can't it is such a collaborative art form that if you need to be the center of everything, it, it, you're just not going to work out. Like you have to know how to work play well with others. Yeah. And so if you really want to be a lone wolf then take up painting or something like this is not, (laughs) (laughs) this is not the art form for you. Well,
0: I figure you'd burn a lot of bridges if you were a extremely selfish person.
1: Well, gosh. And so there are really talented, very selfish people. And, you know, I I can watch them on stage and just be blown away. But then I work with them and then I'm like, never again. I don't care how good they are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. And if we're talking about you again, What's one part of your personality that you've struggled with where you've either had to conform what you're doing or you've had to change
1: yourself to be able to become more successful? Um, I'm very, I have the sin of pride. I'm very, very proud. Mm -hmm. And that has made it hard for me to ask for help or mentorship in my life. Um, And it makes it hard to admit failure um or admit mistakes yeah. and that's something that i str- have str- that i struggle with constantly and i really it, i work on a lot um i try to tell my everyone underneath me that i'm the person who makes the most mistakes in any given day in any given week so to try and create an environment where everyone can admit when they make mistakes so that we can all kind of get together but i'll tell you that's really hard oh
0: yeah <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. I can, I can completely relate to that. I think a lot of people struggle, um, especially with the word failure being in the past, such a, you know, such a bad word. It was like, you couldn't tell anybody if you fail.
1: Yeah.
0: And then all of a sudden you realize, I'm sure as a business owner and doing what you love, failure is one of the biggest processes of the whole thing.
1: (laughs) And, And there, and there is no option. You can't go through like, I'd like to do this, but with the no failure option. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's not, there's, it's impossible. there's no <laughs> way. There's no way. And if and, you try not to fail, you keep too. going. Yeah. Like yeah.
1: there are there are failures insofar as things that you thought were going to work that just didn't. And it's not because anything did, went wrong. It's just it just wasn't the right time or it wasn't the what what right whatever. And then there are catastrophic mistakes where you look at it and you go, "Wow, I we just." We like this person doesn't want to work with us anymore because I just accidentally did this or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and then it's like sitting with that and saying, "Okay, I j- I want to crawl under a rock and die, but I'm not going to. I have to figure out how to improve it and never let that happen again. Um, and that just is so inevitable and it's so hard.
0: Yes, absolutely. And so since this is such a unique situation that you've created at Cafe Nordo, what are there, are there other places that people can go to? Are there different markets like this? Have you heard about things similar or places that people could look for if they're, if they're interested in participating in something like this or making this their career?
1: Well, there is a a pretty, um, I think a, uh, burgeoning a new movement which is this immersive theater thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is where you know you're not just looking at a stage but when you walk in you really are transported into the world so we happen to be doing it with food but um the immersion is the most key part of it to us and that I mean the food is a you know it's what sets us apart makes us different but the art that we're working so hard on is this immersive theater so you know, anything from, like, Sleep No More in New York, but they're they're happening everywhere. People are taking over buildings and doing all kinds of weird interactive theater everywhere. And I think it's – I know it's all over, you know, London with, like, silent cinema. And I'm trying to think of the other ones in the U.S. But if you just Google immersive theater in your town name, you'll find something.
0: I was just going to say, if somebody wanted to get into theater – Mm-hmm. How are they going to find those types of jobs? I mean, I, is it, I, I'm assuming it's not like some other types where you can go into like monster, you know what I mean? Like you, right. where do you go?
1: So I, every community is different. Um, here in Seattle, we have an organization called Theater Puget Sound TPS that does audition listings and um, both for, for casting and for design work. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, you know, the, this. And and I think that most cities have such a thing in, when I was living in New York, we always looked at backstage, but now I'm kind of old. I mean, that was like before the internet when you had to go buy (laughs) the paper, you know?
0: Um,
1: (laughs) now I think that, um, that so much of it's done through Facebook, even like I, I, there is a Seattle theater makers group on Facebook. And when someone's casting for a particular role, they'll just slap it up there. And so just becoming a part of the community, so you know where people are starting to hear about things like auditions and um, and design things, and then go to workshops. Go, you know, do whatever you can to just kind of get in front of people and learn.
0: So networking is going to be your best bet for knowing Absolutely. about jobs or finding careers, or I mean, that is pretty much the the only way you're going to get into this uh, career.
1: Well, the, and like with TPS here in Seattle, they do what's called the generals every year where it's a anybody can come and audition. You just have to have a headshot and a resume and two monologues and you walk in and tons of theaters send representatives so that they can just see who might be coming out of school or who has just moved to town. Um, And, and a lot of, some actors do it every single year they go to the generals because you never know what a casting director is going to be looking for this year. So again, I think that most cities, have opportunities like that. Okay.
0: Okay. And so it just needs to be something that they look through and social media is probably going to be the most powerful tool for them to find
1: those sorts of things. Yeah, I think so. Okay. And that's for acting. And as far as directing goes, best thing you can do is find a director whose work you like and ask them if you can assist.
0: And how do you do that? like I I, I've never I've never taken that step you know what I mean I'm I'm not in theater but let's say that I was where how am I going to find directors who I can be in contact with because of course all of us see these big blockbuster movies right and I Mm -hmm. highly doubt any of them are going to (laughs) answer back so how do you find local directors or people that might be able to be mentors um for your journey
1: well again I, I I'm in a smaller community um, than New York City or LA. Yeah. Um, So it's a lot easier to connect with people in Seattle. But I think it's about this. I mean, I think that anywhere is about the same, which is and this I'm not talking about film. I'm talking about theater, which is a much smaller community. But um, but Are they similar directors
0: or are they different? Like, do, do you are you a director of film and then a director of theater?
1: No, I've never directed a film.
0: I know, but I mean, are they, are they oh. separated? Like do people oh, direct yeah. theater only and film only and, or yes. do they, okay. So, okay. And that's something I didn't know. So they, they, they don't split those. They split those up. They're not an all encompassing. Very,
1: very few directors do both. Like Julie Taymor, who did the Lion King on Broadway has directed a couple of films. Um, there are, there are a few directors that have kind of transcended the line, but it's really, it's, it's a very different skill set.
0: Okay. Okay. So that's important. Di- that's an important distinction because that's something that I did not, um, I did not recognize because I thought that it was very fluid, right? So everyone mm-hmm. in the, you know, theatric type of industry were
1: all kind of in, you know, together, right? Yeah.
0: But uh, but you're telling me that they're very separate.
1: At, at least for directors and designers, like a a lighting designer on a film or a scenic designer on a film is doing things in a completely different way than they would for theater. Okay. Um, the, props designers can sometimes transcend. I've seen them transcend a lot more, um, but there just is so, it is such a different process to make a play than it is to make a film. I wouldn't even know where to start making a film. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even know what a grip is really. I mean, I kind of have a general idea, but, um, <laughs> sure. you know, but, but theater is, is it's, Six people in a script in a room, and you work on that for six weeks, and then move it into a theater and work with the designers, and then put it up, and it, it's all very. It's that is a one that is one kind of set of skills, and then to be doing it a film shoot for three months and locations and all of that stuff just takes a whole different. It's a whole different ballgame.
0: Okay, so if somebody's interested in, in maybe if they're not interested in film, they should maybe look at theater right? Yeah. Or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So that that's actually really helpful because I did not know that. So, um, okay.
1: Isn't that funny? Yeah. These things that we just think are, oh, of course, that's, it's always fun to, 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 new, to learn new things about, about industries.
0: Well, and that's kind of the good thing is because when in doing um, these interviews, I learn a lot of individual distinctions between jobs, which mm-hmm. you don't know unless you're in that field. Um, sure. You know, I've never, I've never been in an arts field at all. You know, I'm, I'm on the other side <laughs> of the, yeah. you know, of the, of the career options. And so um you know, I, I've never even thought about it before, and so it's not crossing my mind. My brain just generally groups it together. But it's important because if somebody's interested in this, mm-hmm. um, they need to understand the distinction between the two, and
1: maybe they're not suited for one or the other. And actors definitely do both. Okay. Actors go out for absolutely for both things. So they're more fluid. Yes.
0: Okay. Okay. And so, if we're talking about um, if we're talking about immersive theater, um, where you're doing the food and acting, what are some of the drawbacks of that career choice?
1: The money's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the only drawback. Because, well, the thing about it is, is if you're in if you're in this business, it's because you love it. Mm-hmm. So, to me, going to work. I work insane hours. I work, gosh, se- usually six days, sometimes seven days a week, ten to twelve hour days, wow. all the time. Wow. Um, But I love what I do, so it's okay. Because I really wouldn't rather. There's really nothing I'd rather be doing. Yeah. Um. Than working. That being said, so that's the benefit of it. Like it's the community's wonderful. The people are wonderful. The I think about my quality of life, and other than the fact that, you know, I wish I had money to go on vacations more. Yeah, um, and time. Or, yeah, <laughs> time I don't care about because, like I say, I really love what I do. Yes, time to go on vacation would be nicer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, but the um, yeah, it's knowing that that re- retirements are going to be hard, and watching. You know, friends struggle with medical bills and things like that. That's the real, that's the sacrifice of it.
0: Okay. And so is there a way to supplement it to make it a livable wage? Or is it just kind of Uh, you grind and grind and grind and
1: can't? Most people who are in the theater business, 95% of people who are in either theater or film are supplementing their incomes with other work, and arguably, I am as well because the although all of the work I do is for my theater company, I'm utilizing the skills that I had at all the day jobs I had before. Okay. Be from you know doing Excel spreadsheets and budgeting to PR and marketing to all of those things that are not my art. Mm-hmm. Um, they just happen to be for my art, which feels a little better than having to get into pantyhose and show up at an office at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I could do a lot of it from, from the comfort of my home or from my beautiful theater. And most of it's on my own schedule. So, um, that's better. Yeah.
0: Okay. So what has been your worst day so
1: far? Oh gosh. I remember that day. (laughs) 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 Um, As far as the work goes, the worst day, uh, we we started in 2009 and then in 2014, oh gosh, or was it? Yes, 2014, um, we began negotiations to open up our venue. Um, We had been itinerant up until then. Mm -hmm. And we had an opening date, we had all the renovations planned, Um, we had You know, a huge, massive people who had supported us and donated a whole bunch of money to this capital campaign. We raised... For for tech, it's not very much money at all, but for theater, it is. We raised um, over a quarter of a million dollars in, like, three months. Wow. To open this place. Um, And, uh, unfortunately, the... the, uh, We were already in rehearsal for the show that we were going to open with, and the construction got delayed, and so we had to delay... Um, I had to tell the whole cast, like, all this work you've done, um, we're going to have to push it off for a few months. And this was in October. And I said, you know, we, we'll definitely be open in December. And so we started rehearsals back up again in mid-November. And then we got delayed again. Oh, no. Having to go in and tell those people that they had not taken any other acting jobs for the whole fall um, and that we weren't going to be able to... I mean, we gave them a little stipend, but nothing like what they would have made if we had opened. And on top of that, you know, just all the sacrifice that that they the work that they hadn't done.
0: Yeah. Um, Oh yeah.
1: So having to walk in there with that, you know, 24 case of beer and a bottle of whiskey, and say instead of having rehearsal today, (laughs) oh no, and postpone this again, Um, and maybe we'll be open in the spring. Um, you know, people were just devastated and we were devastated and people didn't understand why or, oh, it was just, it was the worst. Yes.
0: Yeah. I, yes, absolutely. So if we flip that and bring it back to a happier note, what is the best day so far?
1: Um, I mean, there have been a lot of really good days. There's nothing as satisfying as a sold-out show where everyone's just absolutely joyous. But um, hosting our composer and one of our musicians' wedding at our theater um, and just having this absolute outpouring of joy and love and community and having the place for that to happen because of all the hard work we put in. So it was, it was so ours And that was a, that was a lovely, lovely day.
0: Yeah. That sounds like that would be a lot of fun. Satisfactory. You feel, you feel good about what you've accomplished.
1: Yes. And it was a celebration of all of the work, all of the work that we had done together to create this magical venue full of music and food and light. And yeah.
0: Very cool. What do you love most about what you do?
1: Hmm. I mean, the easiest thing to say is the wonderful, talented people that I work with. Um, second easiest thing to say is the look of, you know, kind of um, mystified joy on <laughs> our audience when they walk out. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my favorite thing, really, is um, that the few days before we start to preview a show um, is are what we call tech. And that's where we are all just in the theater for, we call them 10 out of 12 because the actors are all in for 10 hours out of 12. So it goes like 10 AM to 10 PM. Oh wow. It's when all of the designers are there, musicians, actors, the lights, the set, the costumes, everything comes together. And we work just like minute by minute through the show to create beautiful moments and, there have been like three or four where in tech, the music and the lights and the actors, they just like create a magical moment that I'm like, that's the best thing I've ever done. You know <laughs> <laughs> um, There are a few of those uh, that just fill me with a lot of joy. Yeah. And then I get to see them play out within the context of the show um, over and over again, but something about that dark, quiet, super focused room where everyone is just working together to make a moment absolutely magical. So
0: it's almost like you get to take a step back and actually see everything you've created.
1: Yeah. Very and cool. all the different art that I get to work with visual and um, uh, performance and music and all of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How did your life change when you asked af- when you opened Cafe Nordo?
1: Um, well, when we got the venue, um, and it was when I went Mm full-time, actually, I guess I went full-time when we started fundraising for the venue. (laughs) Um, (laughs) that was when I went full-time. Um, but the, the little things that changed were, um, that the, that all of my time became my own in a way even though all my time is really Nordos, it's, um, I'm the one who decides when meetings happen or when, um, what, you know, for, I'm a night person. This sounds so like trivial, but I am a night owl sure. and not having to get up in the morning ever for anything was <laughs> <it's> an amazing <laughs> life change. Like I never have meetings before noon. They never happen. <laughs> and that like being able to own that and say, you know, I get up at like nine or 10 and then I tinker around for a while and then I scoot on down to work. Um, and not having that kind of social pressure yeah. of having 8am an meeting and just being like this, I will never go to bed before two, I have never in my life. I never will. I'm sure like that. <laughs> so that being in control of that, it sounds so small. Um, but also, you know, just being accountable. Um, and so that's the positive is like that I get to, to choose, you know, how my life works, but also I am accountable to so many more people because now people are depending on me for their livelihood. Yeah. Got to pay the bills. So any time mistakes are made, like a show doesn't do very well or doesn't reflect what we want to put forward that the stress of that is not just oh shoot i'm going to disappoint my boss because
0: i don't mm-hmm. have a boss
1: it's oh shoot i'm not serving my company well yeah so that's a lot of pressure
0: yeah absolutely and do you currently have any expansion plans
1: we are um in a little a trial period of taking over a uh basement venue that's in our building. Um, so if that all works out, we'll have a cabaret space and a rehearsal space down there as well as our theater upstairs. Um, and then, you know, dream, we're still dreaming big. We have, uh, we would like to, in the next five years, expand to a, a full kind of building situation where it's uh, less of a sit-down experience and more of a um, progressive dining experience where you walk from room to room and each room is a different art installation that has a different feel and that so that's wow of, yeah.
0: wow yeah that's very <laughs>
1: cool. cooking up
0: yeah you got, you've got you've got some stuff going some things to look forward to yeah. so we've kind of gone through what it means to um to work in theater and entertainment um and so I just have a few more questions for you okay. what did you want to be when you were a kid
1: uh, before, I, I wanted to be an actor um, or in the theater. I, I wanted to be an artistic director of a theater by the time I was probably 16 or 17. And I wanted to be an actor by the time I was probably 12. And before that, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Oh!
0: <laughs> so, so it changed very abruptly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. I was doing, I just, you know, I didn't think it was possible. Sure. I didn't understand that it was possible. To have a life in the theater, and for that to be your job, yeah. And I like animals. (laughs) Yeah. So Um, (laughs) once I started realizing it was possible, um, then I was pretty singularly focused on that. After that, yeah. Okay.
0: What's the best piece of business advice you've ever
1: received? It was from my acting teacher, Robert Bella, maybe the first day of acting school at NYU. Um, and he said, look around at the people that are around you right now, the people that are sitting next to you, you're all acting students, um, recognize that it's not the Martin Scorsese's that are going to give you the job. It's these people, they're going to become playwrights and directors and producers. And it's your relationships with them now that will provide you with your livelihood later. So be really nice to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that really stuck in my head, even though I was one of the ones that became the director who casts people and gives people jobs. Um, He was right. And just that attitude of not trying to reach always up for opportunity, but rather out for opportunity. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that probably comes in because you never know who's going to become or who is somebody. I think And Seattle's a really good example of that because we have some very high up people who dress crazily like they shouldn't. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I've learned that living here because I've known more millionaires who like dress like like they're homeless than anything else. It's pretty crazy.
1: I had a friend who was giving a tour, um, who, who used to work at KUOW, the local NPR station, and, um, they were giving a tour to someone and I won't say who it was that w- wouldn't say which, which mayor, but, um, they walked by <laughs> the green room and they said, and that's the, and there's the mayor. And then they kept walking and the person thought that they were joking and that it was the janitor, but they called him the mayor. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. Isn't that so perfectly
0: Seattle. It, it really is. So I, I think I agree. You know, that's that's. I think that's great advice. No matter where you're at, or who, absolutely. or what industry you're in, because you never know who's going to make it. You never know who people are,
1: and the people who step on you on the way up, they you will not lend them a hand when they're on the way down. You know? Correct, yeah.
0: <laughs> and kindness always wins. I mean, absolutely. And so, uh, on an end note, what is what, what what would you say to somebody who's currently discouraged in their job or who hates what they're doing?
1: Oh, there is just life is too short to hate what you're doing, and I know that um, the the biggest blessing I've ever been given in my life is that I w- I've been super passionate about one thing for uh, forever, um, and that's just a gift, but. Um, finding that thing that you're passionate about and knowing that, um, money and financial comforts don't necessarily make you, happy, don't necessarily make for a happy life. Yeah. I don't know. You just, we just don't have time to be miserable eight hours a day in our jobs. And likewise, um, cause I know that you, your main audience is younger people, um, if you're doing the, you know, whatever the shitty job is, yeah. Um, if, if there's an end goal to that, because I certainly had my fair share of terrible jobs, but it was always for, you know, it was always either to learn a skill that I wanted to apply to what I really wanted to do mm-hmm. or to make money so that I could do, you know, theater in the evenings or whatever. If there's a means to an end, that's one thing. And actually, I really encourage younger folks to stick it out um, in a job that they're not super happy with, um, in order to make other things happen, sure. Um, but if it's if you're looking long term at a career that is just making you miserable, then shake it off. Take the risk of being poor for a little while so you can figure out how it happens. because I don't know, I'm poor, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: money is not everything that is the truth it is
1: certainly not
0: all right well thank you aaron for chatting with me today thank
1: you thank you so much
0: if you like this episode or you're looking to change your career go to 28andsearching.com or become a patron to get exclusive content sent directly to you see you next week